0: Want to make six figures a year working from home in your pajamas? (laughs)
1: If you're looking for a way to augment your current income or to change
0: careers and you like writing, freelance writing might be a business for you. Right. And if freelance writing is your cup of joe, then today's guest, Miranda Marquette, is somebody you need to know.
1: Miranda's been freelance writing for over 20 years, has written for places such as Forbes, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and more. Miranda also teaches people how to get into freelance writing and is currently helping
0: journalists transition from journalism into freelance writing, right? And guess what? She makes six figures working in her pajamas from home or from the millions of places she loves to travel to every year. You're listening to Queer Money episode number
1: 390. And today we're sharing how you too can start your own business as a freelance writer.
0: Now on the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist.
1: Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Welcome back to the Queer Money Podcast, Miranda Marquette. We're excited to have you.
2: I am excited to be here. It's always a pleasure,
1: guys. Thank you so much. So, the more I've prepared for this episode, the more I've realized that I don't know you. <laughs> how did you get? How did you get into freelance
2: writing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
2: okay. just, just
0: before it's it,
2: funny because <laughs>
0: yeah, just before this, Miranda was one of the first personal finance people in the personal finance community that we connected with back in 2015. This is a long yeah, time ago,
1: way back and in the beginning. Because I was looking at her profile online, and I'm like, "How do I do what she does? I want to be Miranda." <laughs> you don't,
2: though, babe. You don't.
1: <laughs> but all that said, who are you? Where'd you come from? How did you get here? <laughs>
2: well, you guys asked me to be on a podcast, and then no, <laughs> no. So seriously, though, yeah. So I got started in freelance writing. I do have a journalism degree and you don't need one to be started in freelance writing. I like to put that out there. But one of the things was I was trying to figure out what I could do with my degree, but also stay home with my son. And because having a journalism degree is notorious for long hours and poor pay, right? You're working in a newsroom, you're away a lot and the pay sucks. And I was trying to figure out how do I use this journalism degree to stay home with my son who was at the time a toddler and now he's 20.
0: So there's that. And we've watched him grow too. (laughs) You have. (laughs) So,
2: So that's kind of how I got started. I started looking around this thing called the internet was starting to blow up a bit and people were starting to look for online content, like actual written content. And so I started by just looking for online, online gigs where I could write catalog descriptions. A lot of places that had catalogs were moving them online. And so I was writing descriptions for bamboo flooring and Venetian blinds. And, and oh, really? Yes. You're the one who's
0: to blame. No It's my fault. It's all my fault. Uh,
2: <laughs> and then there were these, you know, these they were called content mills and they would just like let you write whatever. They just wanted to pump content out there. And so that's kind of how I got started. I started doing these kinds of odds and ends that were really needed at the beginning of online marketing and online content marketing. And a lot of people needed that stuff. And eventually I found my way to money and, and here we are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Both money is income and money as a topic. topic, right?
2: Yes. And actually finding the money as the topic (laughs) is what led to money as the income, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) because, because of course, quite frankly, there are certain, like if you're going to freelance, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but if you're going to freelance, there are certain niches that pay better than other niches, right? And money is one of the niches that pay among the best, because when you're writing about money, it means there's money, if that makes sense. So we're, <laughs> okay, we're going like to have, <laughs> have an inception moment here, and it's going to be very ugly. <laughs> but, like, but yeah, so so that's that's pretty much how I got started, it's just kind of these odds and ends, and then I, I sort of stumbled into this money situation. And now I pretty much only write and podcast about money. But so. how did you stumble into the, the money niche exactly? Yeah. Yeah. So I was writing for these content mills and somebody who was looking at blogs, and this was before blogs were really seen as like the content marketing juggernaut that they are today and now may not long, any longer be, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but anyway, but Blogging as marketing was just starting to take off, and somebody noticed that I my stuff was being posted very regularly on this content farm, and so they reached out to me through the content farm and said, "Hey, we noticed that your stuff is regular, reasonably well written, and accurate. So we would like you to. We're putting. We're this content agency. We have a retirement blog and we have a forex blog, and we would like you to provide regular content." And I was like. I don't know anything about money, and they were like, "Well, you've been doing a lot of sciencey stuff, so science and money—it's all just math. You can do this. <laughs> you can do this." I, I was just like, "Okay, let's give it a try." And so my first thing was writing about retirement planning, and then also for a forex market maker. So, wow, uh,
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. Very interesting, yeah. and very brave of you to just like take the opportunity and go
0: with it. Yeah, and I, that's—I know—I that think that's I would be scared if I didn't know topic. Yeah, that's a, I know that's a question we're going to talk about later, but it is interesting how you find a topic or something that you're really, really interested in, but you've been doing this for a few a years now.
2: <laughs> I have been, what, yeah, I've been freelancing since 2005 and doing money since 2006.
1: Someone could say you're like the, the mother of the internet,
0: yeah. the money <laughs> the blogging the, or something. <laughs> the mother of the money internet. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what do you like about it? Folks, the reason why we we asked Miranda to come on and talk about this is this is part of our financial independence series, right? It, one of the, our theme that we carry throughout the year. And one of the ways that many people work towards and get towards financial independence is side hustling. Or they find it, a different career that makes better money than they're making today. And so we know that this is something that a lot of people have an, have interested in. So that's why we've we've asked you to, to come on, Miranda. But what what about it do you like or not like that maybe could clue some of our listeners into whether or not this is a good choice for them?
2: Uh, so first of all, it helps that I do like writing. And it's something that I do enjoy But I think the thing that I like the best about it is the freedom and flexibility it affords me. So I can set my own schedule. I work my own hours. I can come on the Queer Money podcast. (laughs) So I can do all of these things that are amazing and fun and do it on my own schedule. I can do this while I travel. So sometimes I'll travel for a week or two at a time and take my time and be really slow because I don't have to be back in an office or I don't have to be stuck at a certain time. I can and have my nails done or have lunch with my friends and still get all of my stuff done and make some good money. So I really just like the freedom and flexibility. And I like the ability to set my own schedule and then really just be able to kind of design a life that I enjoy living because I'm not tied to any one location or tied to a specific job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we like to say that we're geoliberated, but I don't think I know anybody who's more geoliberated than you because... You are Yikes. never home.
2: <laughs> you <laughs> were true. always traveling. How, how does your son feel about this? <laughs> so uh, the traveling actually picked up more after my son turned 18 and was, you know, kind of more on his own. I, I didn't travel nearly as much before he turned 18 as I do now. So he's, he's good. I just, you know... Remind him when I'm out of town. And like when I was out of town a couple of weeks ago, it got 20 below and he couldn't start his car. And then he had to like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, I can send you a lift, (laughs) Or (laughs) so he's like, well, I called my work and I let him know I'd be late and they're going to send somebody in. And then they end up just canceling anyway, because it was 20 below and everybody stayed home anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So probably best right yeah probably for the best for everybody but for the most part like he does yeah he's i mean he's he's got an apartment he does his thing you know
0: and now you're free and you're free <laughs> to be and do and go where you want to be <laughs> go and that's and that's a, that's one of the great things about freelancing writing but it also is this the case with freelancing other types of careers, mm-hmm. right? There are freelance videographers who will record and do videos or photo do photo shoots. There are individuals who do post production of videos and photos and stuff like that. There's all sorts of freelancing. This one we're specifically focusing in on the writing.
2: Right, yeah. And there are a lot of people who do like sound editing and all sorts of things. There's just the entire content creation and, and graphic design. I actually have a friend who does software coding as a, on a freelance basis. That's it's nice. a, a series of, it's series of contracts, right? A series of, you know, four to six month contracts to do software coding. So there's a lot of stuff you can do on a freelance basis, especially in the current content creation economy. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So just to be fair, what would you say some of the drawbacks are? What, what are the elements that you don't like about freelancing?
2: So one of the hardest things about understanding what you're going to be doing as a freelance writer is the fact that you are not writing any of these high-minded treatises that you envision, right? Like I went into journalism because I'm going to do hard hitting investigative journalism. (laughs) You know, like I am going to bring the power down, blah, blah. And no, I am a sellout freelance SEO content writer. That's that's what I do. I'm going to stare off into the middle distance for a moment. And then remember that I make a shit ton of money and it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> it makes you
1: feel better. <laughs> but,
2: but no, seriously though, that's the thing that I think that's hardest, especially for writers to to wrap their head around. I have a wonderful young man here in Idaho Falls who also thinks you guys are very cute, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh. but, uh, and he, he is, he just, he's a wonderful writer. He's really good. He's really good. And the problem is, is, you know, he, he can't quite get to the sellout stage. And so, so he's miserable in this job he hates. And he's just like, why can't I write like you? And I'm like, because you're not ready to sell out like me, my friend. But <laughs> sell no, your soul,
1: you'll feel a lot better. It's great, it's great. Um,
2: no, but seriously, though, like it is hard to kind of deal with the fact that, like yes, I have to like write according to a formula. I have all these SEO Articles that I'm writing, I'm writing about in like, I'm writing about basic dwelling insurance and making sure I get the right keywords in this article about basic dwelling insurance. And I'm writing, you know, or I'm writing about student loan or whatever it is. And so that, that can be frustrating. I call it being a jobbing J O B B I N G, a jobbing writer, because you're just, you're doing the job. And then I have other things that I do, you know, that I can write for myself or other projects that I find more fulfilling. But in the end, it's like, I was talking about this with another freelancer friend. We're like, what else would we do that gives us this much money for this little work? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like what else would we do? Right. Mm. So it is kind of frustrating, but I think if you can push through that and find other ways to be fulfilled, like I I say, well, all of the freelance writing subsidizes everything else I do. Right. I do nonprofit work in my town. I do politics. I do these things that I find fulfilling and I wouldn't be able to do that if I was a struggling writer instead of a sellout writer.
1: Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community through access to credit, tools to manage debt and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today.
0: And I think that that's that's the case with a lot of folks in their careers, is Mm -hmm. that more often than not, we are not, when we're working for someone else, whether it's through freelancing or through having a corporate job, we're probably not 100% fulfilled in what we do right? Mm -hmm. But there are trade-offs, right? You do have the time on the weekend or you have the time away from work, or sometimes you get volunteer opportunities through work. You use those as the opportunities to do the things that you love doing, especially I think for a lot of people who live in very expensive cities. And a lot of us queer folks do live in very (laughs) expensive cities. And then we have to have the jobs that pay well in order to survive. And we have to find the fulfillment in some other places.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, that's really important is to realize that like the idea of if you're going to, if you want to make money at freelance writing, you need to kind of divorce yourself from this idea that like everything you write is going to be amazing and fulfilling and fabulous. And it's, it's just not, but you're going to get it done quickly and you're going to make a decent amount of money at it. And then you can go do something else. Yeah.
1: Right. That's kind of the, what we're trying to provide our listeners right. and viewers. The option is this is how you can sort of generate more money or improve your lifestyle, move to where you actually want to live or, and be able to afford it or and whatnot. So just, just providing options is what you're, you're getting at. That said, how might somebody get into freelance writing to generate just a few hundred dollars a month? And then how might somebody get into freelance writing to actually make it a career? Let's start with just a couple hundred dollars a month.
2: Yeah. So there are a lot of really great job boards. I don't know if I sent you guys, remind me and I can send you, I just, I have a, I have a little thing that says, you know, looking how where to start to find freelance jobs. And just kind of, it, it lays out low barrier to entry, medium barrier to entry, and then like a higher barrier to entry. Oh, and nice. if you just, yeah. And if you just want to make a, a few hundred dollars a month, you could go to some of these low to medium barrier to entry jobs, like a job board, like Pro Blogger, where like the pay is not amazing. Or anything, but it's usually fairly steady because what you're doing is you're providing regular content for a blog or two. And so it's fairly steady. It's something that you could kind of rely on. You can make a couple hundred bucks a month and it's just kind of an easy way to ease into it and kind of start building your portfolio. So I always recommend to start with those kinds of job boards. I do not recommend going to a marketplace where you have to bid on jobs. Just ignore that. You're basically going to be undercutting yourself. And then the, and then on top of that, the freelance marketplace is going to take a cut of whatever you make. And it's just a short, it's just a very short road to frustration and, you know, constantly undercutting yourself and making it harder for you to raise your rates down the road. So I try to stay away from the marketplaces and focus more on the job boards like freelance writing jobs and pro blogger and those kinds of things, because you are going to be more likely to find these relatively simple jobs that don't pay great, but they'll get you started and you can earn a few hundred dollars a month.
0: Okay. And folks, we'll link up to that in the show notes. That's on QueerMoneyPodcast.com for these sites that Miranda is talking about.
1: Yeah. So then say you want to make this a career. Maybe you're like, I want to be the next Miranda Marquette. How do I do that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it does kind of start sort of the same way. Small. Get a few of these things under your belt and kind of build on that and, and make it consistent. I think one of the big things to have though is you do need some sort of home on the web. You know, right now website, like I know plenty of freelance writers who don't keep their own blog. I have a blog. I update it semi regularly, but having a website helps where people can easily find you when you do write, provide a bio that includes like, Keywords like, for instance, my bio usually talks about how I've been writing about money, writing and podcasting about money on the internet. So that helps a lot too. LinkedIn is a really great place actually for freelancers to find Mm -hmm. work and build connections. You know, set up your your LinkedIn profile so that you have like these things in your bio, right? Like I have hashtags like financial journalist, freelance writer, financial writer, all those kinds of things. But also... On LinkedIn, one of the great things you can do is you can look for companies that are hiring writers. And one of the things that Kat Tritina, one of my freelancer friends, does is she approaches them and says, Hey, I'm a freelancer. If you need immediate help while you're doing this search, I can provide you some you know, some content while you're doing this. And and a lot of the time it works out really well and they just keep using her instead of actually making (laughs) instead of actually hiring somebody. Um, But but LinkedIn is really great because it does have like it does can set up job alerts, right? Like for content writer, freelance writer, all of those things, you can set up those job alerts and then it makes it really easy to apply through LinkedIn. So just save a copy of your resume, have some clips available, like some links to some clips available on the regular, and then you can just easily apply for a bunch of jobs. Unfortunately, making it a career requires a lot of rejection at first. (laughs) So you have to get used to pitching a lot of people and applying for a lot of places and being rejected a lot. But once you get a rhythm going, so like I used to, when I first started out, I used to do like, okay, I've got this time today that I will get my client work done, and now I am going to spend the next two hours while my son is napping or in preschool, I am going to spend the next two hours applying for gigs and just applying for gigs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it becomes a numbers game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But having a good LinkedIn profile and having a website, I think are two really good things. And then so far, Twitter is actually a really good place because a lot of, a lot of editors say like, I'm accepting pitches on Twitter. So following some good, following some good editors and publications on Twitter can also be very helpful because it's also a very rich freelance writing environment. Nice. That's a awesome. good idea.
0: Yeah. So as we see more and more people who are wanting to do this, get into the freelance space, especially freelance writing, do you feel like we're getting into a point where it's maybe overcrowded or that it's going to be difficult to find jobs to make a living?
2: So far, not. Interestingly enough, (laughs) we all have plenty of work and we still give each other work. A lot of people, like I have a little freelance network and we are constantly sending each other because the reality of the situation, right, is despite video and audio and all these other things, content is still king, right? The search engines are still looking for written content. And maybe AI is going to replace this in, in five or six years, but AI is definitely not there yet, as we saw from the recent bank rate and CNET fiasco. <laughs> and, and so, you know, like... And actually, I just had somebody who... One of the drawbacks to having all of these keywords and having all of these things and a lot of... you know, These keywords we're all supposed to do and everybody using SEMrush and AREFS to figure out keyword research and everybody going for the same keywords some of the articles start to sound the same. And I actually had somebody in my group was like, help, I've been accused of using AI to write and I don't use AI to write, but this, <laughs> was a very, this is a very common keyword with a very structured article. And so I had to follow, and I was just like, <laughs> like versions, right. I guess, so that like they could see that you didn't just copy and paste it from an yeah. AI. So so that's the other thing that's interesting is a lot of higher end clients are not interested in having writers use AI-assisted tools right now. They don't want that, the higher-end clients. Like right now, the content mills, people looking for just like a quick buck or whatever, they're using AI articles, but for most people, for most of the high-end clients that are going to pay better, they're a little bit skeptical, especially after what happened with Bankrate and CNET.
1: Sure, that makes sense. So you alluded to this earlier, though. Do you think that, you mentioned having a website and it kind of helpful if you blog. Do you think that blogging is becoming outdated or do you think it's transitioning to something new?
2: Yeah. So I think there's, we're probably in a state of transition. People still need the content as far as articles from trusted sources go. I think as far as making money as a personal blogger, it's going to be almost impossible moving forward because so many places like for instance, right now, Britannica, like Encyclopedia Britannica, like I am working with them to provide content for their money section because they, they want a specific money section. It's not necessarily a blog, but it's informational articles. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think that sort of demand is still going to be there. People, people, consume information in all different ways. And there are still people who really like to read the information as opposed to watch a video or listen to a podcast. And so being able to reach people in a lot of different ways makes sense. And so I think that we still have a good solid five or six years left. Come get your bag before it's like too late. (laughs) But I still think we still have a solid five or six, five or six years left before things really start to change. But I do think you do. I mean, I think when AI gets to a certain point, they'll still need people who can like do the right prompts and do the fact checking and make it sound more human. I think they're still going to need that. So, you know, be prepared for that as well, where I'm looking at it going, my, my job may change. Like I may be like, I may be helping the AI sound more human. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. But I still think we got a good five or six years before that happens. So it's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some reason I have the song more human than human in my head. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's funny you say that I was on Twitter this morning and I saw that Emily Guy-Burkin, who's somebody in the personal finance community that we all know, she's taking a cartoon drawing class right now. And she drew a cartoon. I don't know if you saw this one, I Miranda. It. But it's a uh, a therapist sitting in their chair with a robot laying on the couch. And the <laughs> robot has this word bubble above him saying, I'm worried that the humans are going to be taking over my job soon. <laughs> and I, You know, it is kind of, you are bringing out a good point that if robots, the AI does take over, then it will all just sound the same. And when it all just sounds the same, then nobody wants to, to read any of it because it's just, it's just starts to become garbage, right? We right. will lo- start looking for people with a unique voice or a, interesting way to say it and i think that's part of the reason why many of us stick with the blog following the blogs that we do or following the podcasts that we do is because i we say things differently than the way the financial feminist does and the way Dave Ramsey does thank god and you know i mean we say right. things differently than and it, sometimes it's the exact same the content itself at a its core is very similar, but we personalize it to the people that we're trying to help and encourage to do things differently.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and I think that there's a lot of room for that for freelance writing still. We I'm constantly being asked, like, can you refer other writers to us? We're looking for writers, we're looking for writers, we're looking for writers. So it's still very much a big part of the web.
0: Yeah. With with that in mind, you talked about how you kind of started off with with your path into writing and you switched over to money and that's what you primarily write about. What would you say that's, that's an important thing for people to do is to pick a niche of an expert, be an expert in a particular topic when they're starting out or should they kind of generalize and see where they land and what they enjoy writing about? Cause I know that there are people who Mm, I don't know. I guess people who probably <laughs> listen to this podcast have some interest in money, but there are probably a lot of people in the community who they're like, "Screw that! I want to write about cactus, or I want to write about." Did you say cactus? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, they want to write about the green economy, or or you know, they have a special specialty that they would like to write about.
2: So I think to think about it, you want to think about a few things. So starting out a little bit general can help if. If what you need is money and you need money quickly and you're not super interested in how much money that is, and your goal is to just ramp up and start getting money, then yeah. So looking for something more general, a little bit low paying, kind of makes sense. That'll get you started and get you going and get the money flowing, right? Now, if you want to make more money or you want higher pay, you need to choose a niche and you need to become specialized in that. Because you'll start to get more clients that specifically want somebody who has... Like your higher-end clients want somebody who has an understanding of the topic and who can convey the topic in a way that makes sense to their audience. So if you want to start ramping up your rates and making more money, then yeah, you definitely need to choose a niche because that's where you start to specialize and you'll start to earn a little bit more money. I like to have... It's like my overall main niche, of course, is like the broad topic of personal finance. But within that, I've kind of specialized to beginning investing and student loans. And right now I'm doing insurance stuff. It's boring, but you know, it pays the bills. <laughs> so, But like, but really kind of like, I kind of got, you know, this sort of sub niches that I can go into. I know lots of people that do like frugal travel or credit cards. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of sub niches. So kind of look around and like, look at that broader topic and then kind of drill down and see where can I specialize? How, how do I find jobs that allow me to specialize a little bit better. And so I think that's part of it as well is is being able to kind of narrow that down. But definitely if you want to turn into somebody who makes the the higher rates at the higher end of the rate scale you definitely need to specialize. And then also, you know, look at different types of writing. So I do general articles most of the time, but if you are a good copywriter and you can write good sales page, landing page, and email marketing materials. Mm -hmm. Like that type of writing pays really well. Technical writing, white papers, that type of writing pays really well. The ability to do like public communications, like public relations and press release writing, that pays well too. So it's not sometimes, it's not always just the subject, but also the type of writing you're doing. So really kind of look into that. Yeah, and see where do you develop those skills so that you can do different types of writing or focus on a niche that makes a little more money. Yeah. Sorry. Cactuses aren't making a lot of money. No, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> that they're not, but,
0: but I know that there are plenty of, of queers who love their flowers <laughs> and their <I> gardens. Mean, <laughs> I, if you would have said weed, that would have made more sense than
1: cactus. <laughs> I, I have,
2: I have a Christmas cactus.
1: Um, Our Christmas cactus is still blooming for some reason. It's February.
2: Yeah. Mine just started. I've got a little flower. Maybe that's a global
1: warming thing or something. I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) So you said earlier that money is one of the top paying topics. What would you say some of the other top paying topics or subjects are that people might want to consider if, if making the most money possible is, is what their goal is?
2: Yeah. So if you can do like topics that are really in demand so like so if you can do sort of like entertainment's an interesting one because on the one hand if you've got if you have the skill on the access to do like a like high profile stuff then you can get paid very well with like entertainment type stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing like gossipy things, then you're not gonna get paid as much, right? Like gossipy things where you're not getting direct access to the subject, that that doesn't pay very much. So that's an interesting one. The entertainment field is a very interesting one. Depending on where what kind of science writing you're doing, science writing can be really good. And then medical... If you can write about healthcare, like medical stuff, like get kind of into the, the weeds about that kind of stuff. Like, like I said, like the more specialized and technical something gets, the more knowledge you need to have to write about it and convey it in a, in an intelligible and consumable way, the more likely you are to get paid more for it. That's
0: awesome. That that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to say follow the money, but to a certain degree, right? Who's going to be creating a website that they're going to be paying somebody to write for them if they're not making any money? right? Right. They need to be making money. So that's probably one of the reasons why money does well is because money websites tend to be one of the top Mm -hmm. producing or income generating. But you're also, you brought up entertainment. That's very clicky, right? They're getting thousands and thousands and thousands of hits a day. So there are sometimes millions, right? They're ad revenue is probably pretty high. People Mm -hmm. actually do sign up and pay for some of these technical websites because they know that it's important for them to invest in their own education about these particular topics. Doctors are are probably signing up for websites where they're paying hundreds of dollars a year to subscribe Mm -hmm. to this kind of content or scientists are doing this through scientific journals or things like that. So... That's probably why cactus is probably not making a whole lot of money because they're... (laughs)
1: Somebody's going to email us and be like, no, there's this this cactus Instagram page and it's blowing up and they've got millions of followers.
0: And that's that's probably true. That's that's (laughs) That's different. That's that's different different than than content.
2: (laughs) But yeah, so there's like a whole subset of the plant community. There's a whole plant community out there and a subset could be cacti. So yes, if you got into (laughs) plants, you could also maybe write about cacti sometimes.
1: So one of the cool things about, I think about freelance writing and the gig economy is that the barrier to entry is is pretty low. <laughs> if you want to start your own business and you can make that as loosely defined as you want to, what would you say are some of the tools that you rely on heavily to do your job? I mean, obviously a laptop, you know, right. whatever software, what do you use?
2: Mostly a laptop. So yeah, <laughs> so I use a laptop. I do have a Grammarly premium subscription, which is nice. Grammarly is great. You have to watch out though, because sometimes it doesn't get the context of things. Like it's always when I'm like a savings account, like they're always trying to like, be like, drives me nuts. like, like <laughs> yes. it's, it's a nightmare. And I'm always like, dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. Nobody um, says
1: saving account. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so, <laughs> right. So there's stuff like that. But for the most part, like I find Grammarly very useful. I do use Hemingway app sometimes, and that's a free one actually just because if i'm like if i if i'm trying to decide if i need to break something down a little bit more if i've become too obtuse Hemingway <laughs> app helps me like <laughs> Break it down. Hemingway is a really great, straightforward app that focuses on active language and getting rid of passive voice, Mm -hmm. and and shortening your sentences. But I find Grammarly is really great. I like Grammarly Premium. You can use it as well to make sure that you know your content appears not plagiarized. (laughs) Because part of the problem with being a writer sometimes is like you write things over and over again, and something I wrote for somebody else might be similar to something I'm going to write for. A new person, and so it also helps just like double check and make sure like okay, have I have I inadvertently plagiarized myself? Okay,
1: <laughs> well, there, say- there, and there are tools, aren't there, that can help you yeah. confirm whether or not there's a risk of plagiarism?
2: Yeah, so Grammarly can help you do that, and then also CopyScape can help you do that. So that's a good one to use. I also find so I actually just use as far as tracking my assignments, I actually use a Google spreadsheet where I have a column for. Like I have a little column that's open so that I can put a little X next to it when it's done. But I have like the date I'm going to write it. I have the title of the article, the client, how much the fee is. And then that way I can like check it off the list when I'm done. And then I have a little spot over off to the side at the end of the month where I put their invoice information. Like here's the client, here's the invoice number, here's how much I invoice for, and then a little check mark to say whether they've paid. And then that way I can easily see, okay, who's paid? Who do I follow up with next month? Who do I, you know, have to, you know, bug for my Chase money,
1: down. <laughs> right? Who am I chasing down
2: for my money? Have uh, you ever so sent
1: anybody to collections? I've
2: gotten close. So I had, <laughs> I had this client several years ago where I'd done their work and they had paid half and like, cause I'd had them pay half up front and then they could pay the other half when I finished. And it was just they were just like, I would send, you know, I sent after, after I, dying, I sent the final invoice and they didn't pay. And so I sent a reminder invoice later and I was like, Hey, you know, it's time to pay. And then I sent another at about <laughs> the, ni- at about the, at close to the 90 day mark. Cause that's, that's 90 days. That's the, that's the mark. At about the 90 day mark. I just, I wrote, I said, Hey, I need to know if something in my work was unsatisfactory. Because if not, I do need you to pay this invoice. Otherwise, I will refer this to my accounting and legal teams for further steps. And <laughs> I had the money in my account two days later. So <laughs> um, so, so that helps a little bit just to be like, hey, like we're approaching the 90 day mark. If there's something unsatisfactory about my work, you need to tell me otherwise we're, you know, because they hadn't asked for revisions or anything. There was no reason for me to believe. And yeah, anyway, they ended up paying and it was great. But you know, I haven't had to refer anybody to collections yet. That can be that can be somewhat tricky because the collections agency will take a, a cut of it. So you have to kind of weigh whether that's worth it, whether the cost of it is, is worth it, how much you're owed and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I found most of the time if I just bug enough, it works okay. I had a couple friends who have like after six months of getting the runaround have just gone ahead and gone on social media and named and shamed. Um,
1: oh, wow! <laughs>
2: and, and then that sometimes resolves it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But you're not going to get that job again. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, they weren't you paying you. So it. did you need it? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. Very true. <laughs> so you say that people should not only rely on working for others when they're doing freelancing, but create their own products for additional <laughs> income streams. What do you mean by that? And how exactly would one execute on that strategy?
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm doing this myself. I am experimenting right now because I realize that you know I need, I kind of need something more than just just the freelance writing income. So there are a couple of things. We do have a course that's not super active, so we just moved it to Gumroad, and so that's been a one way to get some money coming in. I like I have a book, so that helps. That's some money coming in, and then I do have I, I'm. Kind of experimenting with these things called Kindle Vella, and it's <laughs> um, and then they, it's like you release it at a chapter at a time. I'm doing nonfiction, but like romance is a big thing there in the Kindle Vella world, and so yeah. that's been interesting. I've made a few hundred dollars just from that in the last year. So yeah, part of the issue though is you have to market, and I'm terrible at marketing. Um, <laughs> but I think it's but I think it's good. And then the other thing I'm doing is I am developing a course. It's like a six week course specifically aimed at journalists who want to transition because like a lot of newsrooms are getting axed again. And so I've had a lot of journalists reach out to me and say, okay, how do I make this transition from like more traditional journalism to online content creation? So I, so because I've been asked about it, I'm now creating a course for it. Nice. So, it
0: good. so
2: yeah. so I just think it, it kind of just goes along with like, just making sure that you look at like, okay, do I have time to do these these things on my own? And what can I do to sort of make sure I'm getting a little bit of other revenue from other places, because that'll kind of help shore you up during times when the work is a little bit slow.
0: Right. And And that can happen, right? You can have Mm feast and famine timeframes. And so if you're, I, I think that's one of the important things to remember for all freelancers is that you have to learn how to be able to put yourself on some sort of financial system that when you have a really great month, you can't blow all that money. You've got to distribute it so that your budget works the next couple of months or whatever the case may be. You don't want
1: to be like real estate agents. (laughs)
0: <laughs> fat, fat okay. let's not pick on them but we do let's have let, some horror <laughs> stories from
1: friends who are real estate agents so but- if someone wants to get into freelance writing after listening to this amazing episode now all this information what would you say is the the first thing that they should do to execute on that goal
2: yeah so very first just kind of set up a very basic website. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just a basic website where people can find you, where you can put a little hire me thing, where you can talk about the types of writing you do. Just a bit very basic website. Get on LinkedIn, update your LinkedIn profile to reflect that you are open for writing, you are going to be writing, and then go to some of these job boards and start applying for jobs. And when you get a byline, you know, like I have I have a, you know, on my hire me page, I have links to my author pages on different websites. And you may have to, when you're starting, you may just have like one-offs. So you may just be linking to one specific thing each time. But like right now I have my author pages on my hire me. So that like, if you go there, you can see like, okay, this is the author page for Britannica. This is the author page for Forbes. Like all of those things where people can go and say like, so you want to collect that stuff in one place to make it easy for you to find and you want to keep it updated. But once you're getting started, get yourself a very basic website, update your LinkedIn profile, and then go to these job boards and start applying for jobs. Perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You need to have... It's just like all artists, right? They they have a mm-hmm. portfolio that they mm-hmm. take and show to their potential clients of, what the, of the kind of work that they do. I will remind folks that those of you who have jobs currently who are thinking about getting into this, make sure you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to letting your employer know. If you're posting out there on LinkedIn that you're available for freelance writing, they may see that as moonlighting and you could lose your job. So just be careful, make sure that this is something you truly can do. Otherwise, you might have to go in a little bit more anonymous route.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's and that's one of the issues too. So if you if you can't be using LinkedIn, one of the things to do is, you know, my alternative is is Twitter. There's a lot of really good stuff for writing Twitter, some good hashtags. Hashtag journal request is a good one, hashtag freelancing and hashtag M writing, and then hashtag querying. There are quite a few where they've got some different hashtags you can use to to follow and look and see what's available on Twitter. Nice. Awesome. Those are great Rex. Thank
1: yeah, you. Thank you. So how can our listeners connect with you and maybe get access to this amazing freelance writing course that you've got <laughs> on Gumroad? What's
2: <laughs> No. So yeah, so you can go to Mirandamarquitt.com. That's my main website. I have, and that's probably one of the easiest places to go. I have a little like thing on there where you can just click and it'll take you right to Gumroad and right to where the course is. So the course, the course was one that I did with two other Six figure freelancers, and we were very active with it for a couple of years. But then we got to the point where we were just like, it was a lot of work, <laughs> and so <laughs> so we were just like, what if we just put all of the resources on Gumroad, never have to update them again, and just see what happens? Because we because you know it was a profitable course, and it was it was making money. But once you get to a certain point, it's like you either have to update <laughs> and like do something different, or you know, or you have to market it more or whatever. So anyway, we're, we're essentially lazy. You. We're essentially lazy. (laughs) But yes, you could go there. But you you have have the option
1: to say, okay, I'm done with this project now. I'll move on to something else. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yes. And so we just kind of, we have it there, but it's really good. It's a really good course. We slashed the price. So the price is way less than it was when we were doing office hours and coaching and everything with it. So it's a really good bargain right now. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you go to MirandaMarkwood.com, you can find links, like a link to the site. You can find that I'm on Twitter as at M Markwit. So not my full name, just M Markwit. And then also on Instagram as at M Markwit.
1: Nice. And we'll link to that all in our show notes as well, which you can get to from your podcast player your podcast player
0: yeah (laughs) subscribe through the link in your podcast player
2: (laughs) you get all the information you need
1: thank you so much Miranda we appreciate your time and you sharing such a wealth of information with our audiences we appreciate it
2: yeah thank you so much for having me on it's always fun
1: of course make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com that's CapitalOne.com
0: Thank you, Miranda, for sharing such valuable money-making information with our audiences. To you, our listeners or our watchers, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. Here is your takeaway from this episode. If you are interested in freelance writing to make money, take the first three steps that Miranda recommended. One, create a website with your information. Two, update your LinkedIn profile. And then three, search places like LinkedIn, job boards, and Twitter for opportunities where you can start writing. Then join
1: us this Thursday when we share the most affordable, most gay-friendly city to live in in Virginia. And next Tuesday, when we talk about financial fornication <laughs> with Tara Madame Money, jackson Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road.